Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast, where, you know, I give you astrology and advice. That's what I'm here to do. And this week is no exception. We start off with a question from the Green Eyed Monster. And they say, Hi, Jessica, I am a very jealous person and it manifests in quite extreme ways. I find it incredibly hard to be happy for others, even the people I love. I'm a psychologist and I understand that this is all based in my amygdala, the emotional part of the brain, but I cannot intellectualize my way out of this awful envy that is so heavy and present in my everyday life and in my relationships. I have ruined jobs and friendships because of it. I've never had a romantic relationship, partly because I identify on the A spectrum and partly because I know my issues are so intense, it could hurt me and any romantic other. If a friend gets thinner or richer or happier than me, it kills me. I hate being this person. I want to be a bright, optimistic, and kind person to have around. Any cosmic insight would be hugely appreciated. Please keep my location private. Thanks. So uh, the Green Egg Monster was born May 29th, 1990 at 7.28 p.m. in an undisclosed location. We're going to get into this. If you're a person who struggles with jealousy, if you struggle with a sense of resentment, if you find yourself obsessing on what other people have or don't have, most likely you're dealing with a Pluto problem. And so the first thing I did when I looked at this person's chart is looked for Pluto. And it wasn't hard to find because Pluto, my green-eyed monster, is conjunct your ascendant in Scorpio and opposite Mercury. And your ascendant and Pluto and Mercury are all square to the moon. So you have a T-square to the moon from Pluto and Mercury. I will explain what this means in great detail. Don't you worry. But I want to just pull back and acknowledge this. You want to be a bright, optimistic, and kind person to have around. That's cool. I love that. Who doesn't want to be around kind, bright, and optimistic people? And besides, you're a Gemini. Of course you want to be kind and bright and optimistic. You have moon and Leo. Yes, you want to be a light. You want to be easy for people, and you want to have an easy time of things. However, may I humbly suggest that you do not need to be bright and optimistic in order to be kind. You do not need to be bright and optimistic in order to be happy or to have healthy relationships. Some people are not wired for optimism and that's okay. Some people are not bright in the way that they experience life and show up for others. And there are other ways to light up a space or a relationship or to feel lit up by life. You know, I think that a huge part of what astrology is really good for, and maybe somewhat uniquely so, is validating our nature, our resources, and our struggles so that we can cultivate greater self acceptance. Because if you, as a grown ass adult, have come to find so far in your life that you're not, let's say, optimistic, <laughs> that you're not easygoing, right? You can beat yourself up about that. You can compare yourself to others, wish you were like that, or you can say, huh, okay, so I'm not like that. What am I like? And how can I work with my actual nature 
to be the best, happiest, most resilient version of myself, which may or may not look like optimism, you know? And I say this as a person who is profoundly not optimistic. We do not all have to be happy all the time. We do not all have to be optimistic or any of those things. And being kind and being nice are meaningfully different things. You might be nice and kind of like pleasant on the surface, but not show up in a kind way, not be authentic, not be honest, not be reliable. You may be kind and be kind of a pain in the ass, (laughs) you know, be high maintenance, be demanding, not always be easygoing. It's okay if you are not always nice. What you want to strive towards is kindness. But how can you be kind to others when you're judging yourself for being the way you are, right? How can you be kind to others when you're beating yourself up? And the answer is you can, you can, you can be kind to others and not kind to yourself. That's actually, that's possible. Of course it is, but it's hard to sustain as you age, right? Eventually the way we talk to ourselves leaks out in how we talk to and treat others. Not always, not right away, not like necessarily in your twenties or even in your thirties, but it absolutely does come to pass. So the way that we speak to ourselves, the way we relate to ourselves, the acceptance that we do or do not offer ourselves eventually with time inevitably leaks out onto others. And so it's motivating, right? It's motivating. Okay. So all that said, let's get into your birth chart. Let's start with the wisdom that you shared in the way you asked your question about how you cannot reason yourself. You can't cognitively get yourself out of this compulsion to uh, compare yourself to others and to be jealous of what they have, right? So when we talk about reasoning and intellectualizing and, you know, cognitively processing and figuring things out, we are looking at or talking about the planet Mercury. And the planet Mercury is, of course, opposite your Pluto in your birth chart. And when we talk about emotional change, when we talk about how we feel our feelings, how we show up and care for ourselves and others, how we experience love and care and how we express it, we're talking about the moon. This is a really important thing because in your birth chart, you've got a moon Mercury square. And so for you, the process of figuring out your emotions and the process of sorting through your thoughts and attitudes, they're interconnected. There's a way that you have a hard time really objectively sorting through data. It's all really coming from a place of intense emotionality which is not bad. I mean, it's not good. It's not bad. It's, it's none of it. It's neither. It just is what it is. And what that means to me as an astrologer, not a therapist, obviously, is that you are well suited to some sort of process, like therapeutic process, that isn't just about you talking through your ideas and your experiences, but actually requires you to slowly sit with your feelings without intellectualizing them or figuring them out. That will empower you over time and annoyingly very much at first, but it will empower you to be really present with what are you feeling and what are your attitudes or thoughts or beliefs about your feelings? So to be able to hold those two really important data points separately from What is happening right now that is triggering these feelings? So objectively, what is the actual situation happening right now? And that actual situation may be that you have a friend who got a job that is amazing, right? They got a job that's amazing and it's such a wonderful thing for them. The objective data point of what is happening right now 
You want to be able to hold it without judgment towards yourself about what it is that you feel so that you can be really honest with yourself about what it is that you feel. If you can sit with that, if you can sit with that, okay, then what you can do is start to parse through what is it that you feel about that person and what is it that you feel about yourself? Because very quickly, what, what you'll start to uncover is that very little of this has to do with your friends or their job. And most of it has to do with your fears about yourself, right? Your sense of they got something that I should have gotten. They got something that I'll never have. They got something and it's easy for them and everything is hard for me. What essentially these kinds of jealousy oriented, envious oriented compulsions are about is bringing everything back to you, first of all. And second of all, bringing it back to you in a way that harms you or that substantiates this idea or notion that you hold that there's something wrong with you, that you won't get what you need, that you never got what you needed, that other people get something that you deserved, that kind of thing. All of this is human, right? So is it shitty? Sure. Sure, it's shitty. It makes you feel like shit. doesn't help your relationships. But if you focus on the part where you're like, oh, I know this is fucked up. Why am I feeling fucked up? But I do feel this way. So now I have to defend and justify my fucked up feelings so that I can live with myself. So you get into this cycle that can really make everything worse instead of better. So in astrology, we have this really valuable, really useful uh, tool, right? We can understand that there's certain ways that the moon works and there's certain ways that the mind works and they're different. If you are willing and able to sit with your feelings and not convert them into stories, narratives, and thoughts, you will make great progress and you will feel shitty, (laughs) but you will make great progress. So in other words, your friend got a job. How do you feel? Now, if your answer is, I feel really resentful because story, 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 word, word, word. So let's sit with resentful. How do you know you feel resentful? What are the symptoms of the resentment? Can you sit with your own emotions without explaining how you came to them, without defending your right to have them? Can you just be in them? Can you locate them in your body? In your birth chart, you have Mercury in Taurus in the sixth house and it's square to the moon. So chances are high that you're likely to feel really intense emotions in your gut and in your chest. And this is very likely to make you feel uncomfortable. So you want to pop out of your body. You want to disassociate from the physical body where the emotions tend to take root and to go straight to your head where you can, again, defend, obsess and distract. Because here's the thing. Jealousy is very real, but it is a distraction from what's actually happening. In my view, jealousy and envy, not, you know, feeling it here and there, but in the way you're describing it, it's a lot like an addiction. For anyone who's an addict, you know, right, that you, you use a substance, you imbibe so that you feel anything differently than the way you really feel, right? So maybe drinking or doing drugs or whatever creates problems for you, but at least it's not the problems you're trying to disassociate from. Jealousy and envy is very similar. It's a cover-up. It's a defense mechanism that pushes you away from feeling what you really feel, which is maybe like a failure, maybe insecure, maybe lonely. How do you know you feel these feelings? Well, you you would have to sit with them. 
You would have to sit with them. And you don't need a because. You don't need a narrative. There's a value in narrative. Obviously, I talk all the goddamn time. I'm a fan of narrative in many ways. But when it comes to dealing with core emotional wounding and core emotional compulsions, when we allow ourselves to spend too much energy and time in narrative, what we're doing is distancing ourselves from felt experience. And when we distance ourselves from felt experience, we feel a little safer, we feel a little more in control, and we're also distanced from the root of the problem, right? So step one, I just got to say, yes, you're a Gemini, but you have Pluto conjunct your rising sign, your ascendant in Scorpio, my friends, you are not likely to be chill and easy. That's just not, that's just not likely to be your nature. And that is not a bad thing. Why must we be chill and easy? Why, I ask you. You do not need to be optimistic. Hey, listen, great work if you can get it, but it's not a requirement for happiness or healthiness at all. So I know you have stated that you want those things, but homework I would give you is why? What do you believe that you will have if you are bright and optimistic? What do you believe you will be if you are bright and optimistic? How do you believe your life will change? if you are bright and optimistic. Because those beliefs, those, whether they're conscious or unconscious, those things are worth investigating, you know? And they're worth investigating because the reason why we want things, the reason why we want anything, anything at all, is because we believe we will be happier for the getting it, right? So when you're unhappy because someone else has something that maybe you want, maybe you don't even want it, but they have it and you get jealous and you seize upon it, It is revealing that you yourself want something that you don't have because you're not happy with what you do have. What is really valuable, what will really serve you is to identify what it is that you want for yourself. Now, you've told me in your question that you want to be bright and optimistic and kind. So I love it that you want to be kind and I'm not going to critique that. I I want to encourage you to be kind, but I do want to call question on this other goal. Because optimism is a way of looking at things. It's one way of looking at things. When I look at your birth chart, there's not a lot that suggests optimism is part of your nature, honestly. You have an idealistic nature, but not an optimistic nature. And that's a meaningful difference. Idealism is associated with Neptune. Optimism is associated with Jupiter. And in your birth chart, you have a Jupiter-Neptune opposition. (laughs) So it's a struggle. It's hard for you to kind of tell the difference between optimism and idealism, but it's absolutely worth investigating. You don't want to be idealistic about the goals you set for yourself, because if you do that, the contrast between what you're being idealistic about and what is real, what is material, is going to be fucking depressing. Whereas there is nothing wrong with being a pessimist. I, again, I must say as a card carrying pessimist, I mean, The beautiful thing about understanding your birth chart, about understanding your nature, is that it empowers you to accept it and then from that place, work with it. So there's one more thing I want to speak to, which is the influence of Pluto on the rise. So when people have Pluto on the rise, there is a tendency to alienate others. And this can show up, you know, there's a a number of Pluto placements and natal aspects that can do this. You know, Pluto is known for bringing drama to the situation. The tendency to alienate others comes from having so much energy, so much power that is inherent to your nature that instead of letting it kind of expand and flow and be constructive and and useful, 
it can kind of loop too closely and get really intense and lend itself towards resentments and rage and vengefulness and spitefulness and all this kind of heavy shit. Now, I'm really thrilled to hear that you're a therapist because being a healer, being somebody who talks to others for a living about taboo issues that sits with people in their pain, that's a really good use of this Pluto placement because you have the capacity to be in the shit with people, right? And it is amazing. It is a wonderful thing to have that skill set and to make that choice. When you have this Pluto placement, one of the like textbook good things to do with your life is to be a therapist or to be a healer. I, you know, not all therapists are healers, not all healers are therapists. So you may be both, you may be either. But the thing that's important here is that you are making good choices with your energy. You're pointed in the right direction. This is all very good news. It's all very good news. But if you go into the world and you find a way to have healthy boundaries with your judgments, with what you say, with how you hold yourself, with your energy and how you approach others professionally, that's a great starting point. The difference between doing that at work versus doing that in your interpersonal relationships is boundaries, right? You have healthy boundaries that you've learned how to cultivate, hopefully through schooling and experience as a therapist. However, as a vulnerable human person in interpersonal dynamics, there's no classwork for it. I mean, there, there is classwork for it, but I'm, I mean, it's just not the same, is it? And so your vulnerability is the difference. Your own emotions, how you experience your emotions, how you express your emotions, how you process your emotions, how you share your emotions with others, how you communicate them or hide them and shove them down. That is the difference. And so that is the work for you. It's slow work. I'm sorry. It's really slow work. It's not something you're meant to have healed at like 30 years old, right? Or 30, I think you just turned 31. But it's not something that you're supposed to have like magically corrected before your Christ year or really necessarily at any point in your life. What I want to encourage you to do is to cultivate greater acceptance of yourself. And that doesn't mean, you know, take yourself off the hook when you're unkind with others. It doesn't mean to empower yourself to say, oh, well, I've got, I've got a strong Pluto, therefore I can be really jealous and I'm just going to let that be. I'm not going to celebrate my friends and colleagues' successes. Like, that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to understand that you are allowed to feel whatever the fuck you feel. You are allowed to think whatever the fuck you think. Where I want to point you is giving yourself space, hopefully in your own kind of therapy, whatever that might look like for you, to be in your feelings, to sit with your thoughts so that you can understand compassionately, empathetically, spaciously even, your own reactions. And then with time and practice to sit with your reactions and then shift how you respond to those reactions. As our own actions, our own responses to our emotions and our impulses mature and change, then our feelings get a little less loud. A lot of times our compulsive, dramatic, and shitty feelings are our insides screaming at us to slow down and fucking listen. When we abandon ourselves, because we don't like how we feel, because we don't like how we're thinking, then the feelings and thoughts get louder. It's really important that you not abandon yourself. And also, 
I really am glad that you're bringing into this question your relationships because there's no way that this wouldn't impact your relationships. Because the way this is written into your birth chart is inevitably going to show up in your close relationships and also your less close relationships. So if you try to change how you are with others without first meaningfully shifting your relationship to your feelings and thoughts and cultivating the skill to sit with your reactions and empowering yourself to be authentically motivated, like honestly motivated to shift your responses. If you can do all those things, then your relationships will inevitably change. If you try to change how you are around people, in front of people, or in reaction to people, that's a really, really difficult approach. It might seem like it's the quicker approach, but it will for sure take longer and much less likely work. So unfortunately, you got to work on yourself and then let relationships come to pass as they will. And, you know, one more thing I'll say about that, because you do mention romantic relationships. You have a Venus square to Saturn in your birth chart. You got Venus at 29 degrees of Aries and Saturn at 25 degrees of Capricorn. And this means lots of things. But one of the things that it means is that it is uh, in your nature and in your best interest to cultivate individual relationships that are based on trust, shared values, and platonic love. And that doesn't mean that those relationships should or shouldn't be sexual and romantic additionally. But having trust built over time, that right there, that right there is your happy place. And it's absolutely achievable for you. You know, you don't need a million friends. I don't look at your chart and have any kind of sense of like romantic relationships are or are not important for you. But I will say that building up intimacy based on trust, that right there is actually really healthy and wonderful for you. And I would encourage you to start with yourself. Be a person you trust with yourself, you know, and that will take time. So my dear, embrace who you are. And through the process of embracing the good, the bad, and the ugly of who you are, you can start to make meaningful changes in how you treat yourself, how you relate to your emotions, and then therefore how you respond to those emotions and behave around and in response to the people in your life. This Juneteenth, Bay Area sculptor Dana King will install 350 ancestral figures representing the first Africans stolen from their homeland and sold into chattel slavery. They will encircle the vacant plinth of the slaveholder Francis Scott Key, which was partially toppled by protesters last Juneteenth in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. Come commune with the ancestors and bring your children to be a part of the reckoning of a true telling of America's history this Juneteenth in Golden Gate Park. Visit MonumentalReckoning.org to learn more about the project and to donate and follow Monumental underscore Reckoning on Instagram. Here at the precipice of June, I want to say to you, My take, and I don't usually do like a real solid, like, you know, this is a month ahead kind of vibe. I do that on Patreon. I do a month ahead horoscope. But let me just say, this June 2021, I expect relationship issues to be pretty big. And so, you know, before I get into your horoscope, before we get into all the things that we're here to get into, 
I want to just gently remind you that how you talk to yourself, how you feel about yourself, how you treat yourself, how you invest in your wellness or don't, all of this is really important because your relationship with yourself, it's so valuable and it doesn't always have to be great. Relationships ebb and flow. That's all right. But to the best of your ability, as frequently as you can, I do want to encourage you to prioritize cultivating that relationship, making it better, improving it. But it's not just your relationship to yourself. Your interpersonal relationships are likely to be really kind of up for you this month. And that might look like dynamics in your relationship being activated, or it may look like your feelings about your relationships, your feelings about your lack of relationships being activated. And it's not just happening to you, it's happening to all of us, which means everyone's more likely to be acting weird. This is not happening in a vacuum for you. And so I want to just kind of like acknowledge that before we get into the details of the astrology for this week, because this week we have another eclipse and we are gearing up to the second out of the three exact hits between Saturn and Uranus that will be happening next week. So we still have our Mercury retrograde and the transits that I spoke about last week, that Mercury square to Neptune and that Mars opposition to Pluto, they're going to be influencing us throughout this week, uh, even though they were exact on the fifth. And the kind of upshot of all of this is anxieties are up. Emotional overwhelm is up. The tendency to be defensive or resentful and all that kind of heavy Martian Pluto stuff is up. There are so many ways that this can play out socially, globally, personally, but on a personal level, what you can do, what you can commit to or attempt to commit to is staying present for your relationship with yourself, with your psychology, with your emotions with your spirit, your spirituality, and with your body. And doing this when you're, you know, on vacay is pretty chill. Doing this when you write in your journal, your dear diary is pretty chill. And doing this when your strong emotions are triggered, that's hard. Doing this around people who have different feelings, values, you know, requests of you, it gets a lot harder to stay with yourself. And so I want to encourage you, again, before we get into the details of this week's astrology, to really consider your relationship to yourself, not just as a like self-care woo-woo thing, although sure, absolutely that, but as a foundational consideration, right? To acknowledge that the ways that you relate to yourself, the ways that you are healthy or not directly impact your relationships. How are you relating to yourself? And how is that impacting your relationships with others? If you have been taking a lot from your loved ones, you might need to give back this week. If you have been giving and giving and giving, you may need to call some damn boundaries. None of this is about a judgment. You know, if you've been taking a lot, maybe it's because you need a lot. That's fair. But it's also fair that you stop taking from your friends and you start giving to them, right? Or at least acknowledging that they've been giving to you. These are the kinds of things that you want to consider. And you may find yourself located in any number of ways, but these are the considerations that the astrology of this moment is provoking. Now, there's a lot to get to, of course, per Yuji, but 
I want to remind you that my app, Astrology for Days, is in beta. It's available for you. All you got to do, if you're interested in getting Astrology for Days, you can either join me over on Patreon to get a 15% off, or you can just go to astrologyfordays.com and get your subscription now. It's a tool for tracking the transits that are happening every single day from planetary ingresses to, you know, the biggies like the Saturn Uranus or the eclipse. And it's a place to coalesce what all of your favorite astrologers are saying, what all of your favorite astrology resources and references are teaching you so that you can cultivate greater control over what it is that you're learning and what is actually accurate for you. And you don't have to be a serious astrology student to want to do this, although I think it's a really important approach to learning astrology for all astrology students. Tracking the predictions, tracking the energy, and then also tracking your lived experience so that you can contextualize what the pros and the experts are saying, what your favorite apps are saying, and then what's actually fucking happening for you, you know? And if you're at the stage where you're creating predictions, uh, it's really nice to get a little timestamp, a little date stamp on your predictions. IMO. Anyways, astrologyfordays.com, available in beta now. Mercury retrograde, be damned. Okay, now we're going to look at June 6th through the 12th of 2021. That's June 6th through the 12th of 2021. Okay, Mercury is retrograde. We know that. So, Mercury retrograde, as we know, follows the rule of Rees. We are reviewing, we are reassessing, we are revisiting things. That's what we do. But within that, you know, we still have that Neptune influence of the Mercury-Neptune square. And so this is likely to have kicked up a great deal of anxiety. If you're feeling anxious, if you have been feeling anxious, it may or really may not have a solid point of focus. It might just be generalized, overwhelming anxiety. That's what this transit is most likely to trigger. Now, because we also have the Mars opposition to Pluto, the indication is that the focus of the anxiety is likely to be around our ego, right? It's likely to be around things that are involved in our pride, our sense of ambition, our sense of power and powerlessness in the world and in our lives. And so the unfortunate truth is the Mars-Pluto opposition happening at the same time as the Mercury square to Neptune is likely to have us feeling soupy and anxious about things that feel really pressing and kind of shitty. If that's happening for you, or if you're just around a lot of people that that's happening for, you're right on time. You know, welcome to the astrology. Here we are. The astrology for this is really active through the 8th, but because the solar eclipse is occurring on the 10th, which is a transit I'm really going to unpack for you in a moment, we're going to just feel it. The the eclipse is going to drag that shit out. (laughs) And as it drags it out, you're going to continue to feel it. So when we have solar eclipses, and this particular solar eclipse is happening on June 10th, and it's exact at 3.53 a.m. Pacific time. When we have solar eclipses, it's always a new moon. And the new moon, the solar eclipse, is when the sun and moon are at the same degree of the same sign and they're sitting right on top of each other. It's a conjunction, right? Now, new moons happen every month. They're once a month, every day a month. But solar eclipses are way more rare. And so when we have a new moon, you know, the influences of it are likely to last around a month. Now, that's in a very literal way. Everything we do 
can have influence on who we are and who we are becoming at all times. But, you know, from kind of more of a technical prediction perspective, a new moon is going to last about a month. Now, an eclipse will take about six months to play out in its effects. So that will bring us to the new year, 2022, six months from now. Shit. So here's the thing. This particular new moon has got a lot going on in it. And because it's dragging all this astrology of Mercury, Neptune, Mars, Pluto into the mix, we are likely to find that the themes that are responsible for the way we feel. So whatever it is that we are fixating on, whatever situation is going on in our lives, whatever complex in ourselves that has been activated, we have six months to play these things out. Six months. Now, you might hear that and be like, holy shit, I don't want to feel this way for six months, or I don't want to deal with this issue for six months. And that's fair. But if it's deep, if it's meaningful, is it kind of cool that you have six months to unpack it, to learn, and to heal? I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I'm going through rough transits, I start off with like, oh no, it'll be difficult. I hate difficult. And then when it's coming closer to a close, I get worried. I'm like, oh shit, did I use the opportunity? Like this is an opportunity. Have I lived it out to the best of its ability? So that's silly of me slash also let me share with you. This is a limited time offer. The energy and healing potential of all transits are literally limited time offers. And so while yes, you absolutely can focus on the labor of it and your fear of it being difficult or shitty. That's fair. You can do that. You can also focus on the potential, the potential for healing, the potential for growth and for transformation. And you can do both. You can lament what's difficult and rejoice over the potential for growth. You can do it all. Okay, back to this damn fucking eclipse. So the eclipse is occurring at 19 degrees of Gemini in 47 minutes and Mercury retrograde is conjunct the sun and moon at 20 degrees of Gemini in 41 minutes. And so the fact that we have a moon sandwich with the bread being the sun and Mercury, there's a lot of pressure being placed on that moon, right? And so the sun identity will, Mercury thoughts, attitudes, communications, moon, uh, emotions, feelings, how you digest content, right? How you digest stuff. Having this conjunction is an opportunity for us to really listen, really listen, listen to what's actually happening inside of you emotionally, listen to the consequences of how you've been acting. We want to really listen to what other people are saying. We want to really listen to our own thoughts and get present because that's what new moons are meant to get us to do. The trouble is because Neptune at 23 degrees of Pisces is forming a square to the sun, moon, and Mercury, there is a risk that we will feel anxious. So when we feel anxious, we are focusing on what we don't know or feeling really distractible or disassociated, getting easily caught off guard. You know, Neptune is uncomfortable. Neptune really ultimately wants us to simplify so that we can deal with what is most essential and whole, right? Neptune craves wholeness. 
The problem is all this Gemini energy is about the individual pieces. It is about all of the trees or even the bark and the leaves instead of the forest. And Neptune is just like, but the forest in this region is connected to the forest in all the regions. And Gemini is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I actually am really interested in what's happening with this specific tree on this side of the tree. So the tension between the yearning for easy answers, for wholeness, for things to just be chill. And this restless energy of the new moon in Gemini kind of calling us to examine all the pieces, all the details, all the things that were said and what weren't said. This can be really uncomfortable. It's not bad, but it's uncomfortable. So to the best of your ability, I would give you a couple pieces of advice here on a personal level, okay? Don't gossip. Don't talk shit about other people. Honestly, like it's a terrible time for it. It's a tempting time to do it. Because a great way to distract from how you feel about yourself and your life is to talk shit and judge how other people are living. That's generally A, unkind, and B, coming from a place where you're making a lot of assumptions about who those people are and how they're living and what motivates them to do what they do or not do what they don't do. And the assumptions you make, spoiler alert, are more a reflection on who and what you are and your lived experiences than they are an accurate assessment of what the other person is. So, you know, you know, you know, you know what to do there. Now, the other thing is, uh, this is a great time to take a pause from social media. It's a great time to take a pause from distractions that cultivate anxiety. If your life is super busy, if you can't get off social, if you can't slow down and, you know, prioritize self-care on and around this day, that's okay. What you can do is set an alarm in your phone I don't know, three times in the day to just maybe go to the bathroom and hide and breathe and get present and just really check in with yourself. You can do that, right? And if you can do that and you choose to do that, believe it or not, this will have long-term consequences, centering and prioritizing, being there for yourself, listening to yourself, doing it in a way that is not centered around attachment, attachment to how things should be, about what you should do, about how things should go. That's what Neptune wants. And basically what I'm describing to you is having healthy boundaries with yourself based on the understanding that in order to have healthy boundaries with yourself, you need to first identify and accept where you are. And it's really hard to identify and accept where you are when you're not checking in with yourself, when you're not coming home to yourself, right? So really consider that this solar eclipse time. Now, that's the Neptune influence in this solar eclipse chart. We still very much have a Mars opposition to Pluto. And so we can expect that this transit is going to further inflame passions, the creative ones and the destructive ones alike. The indications here is that we will be called upon to have some measure of courage or bravery, to take a stand for something, to fight for something, to defend ourselves or someone or something else that absolutely can come about. But if you're not being honest, if you are acting or reacting from a place of pridefulness or resentment or jealousy, if you're trying to manipulate your circumstances or other people, Pluto has a funny way of coming back at you like a fucking boomerang. So that doesn't necessarily mean you did something shitty, so something shitty is going to happen to you. That can mean that, but life isn't that symmetrical. 
it does mean you do something shitty and eventually you will feel like shit about it or about yourself. The key here, the key here is to be honest with yourself, to have healthy boundaries. And this will not be easy to do. This solar eclipse is going to show you where you don't have healthy boundaries, where you need better boundaries. And it'll show you how you feel when you don't have healthy boundaries. And so whatever evidence you have been getting and you get on and around this date of June 10th, I want to just center you into this is an opportunity for you to learn something about yourself and the people and world around you. If you fixate on the details too much, you will lose perspective. If you fixate too much on the big picture, you will lose perspective. What we want to seek is balance, my friends, balance. And that is hard to achieve at any time, but it is the work of now. Now, let me add one more thing to this chart, which is, of course, the epic and ever-present Saturn square to Uranus. It is calling us to revisit reality. What is real? What is true? What in my life is stable? What in myself is stable, right? This is very uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable transit. It is testing our psychology, but it is also testing the ways in which we have set up our realities, the way we relate to our responsibilities and our freedoms. And it's not, it's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be uncomfortable and upsetting. All of these feelings that are getting kicked up are vulnerable, right? And who governs vulnerability? The moon. Although honestly, all the planets have a role to play with vulnerability. It is vulnerable to feel anxious. It is vulnerable to feel most feelings, honestly. And that's okay. What you want to do is pay attention to the thoughts and feelings that run you in reaction to your vulnerable feelings. If you can do that, you will grow. You will be cultivating emotional maturity. And that doesn't mean you'll get a clear reward right away or the path before you will open up really, you know, magically. But it does mean that you will be advancing your own emotional maturity and your relationship to yourself. And that is foundational to all manner of good things that are in your future. That's a lot to say about the eclipse. Now, there's one more thing that I should name, which is Venus. So I warned you that this month is very relational. And it's gotten kicked up at the start of the month, and it's really just going to follow us throughout. In the solar eclipse, Venus, it's, these transits are not yet exact, but Venus is forming a sextile to Uranus and a square to Chiron. This intensifies the need for us to act in accordance with our values and to understand the value of diplomacy. As I was saying in response to the questioner from earlier in the episode, being kind and being nice are not the same thing. And so what we want to make sure we're doing is not telling ourselves that we're being kind to someone when we're lying to them to protect us from feeling like a bad guy. So if there's something that is true and authentic and you're lying to someone about it, that's not kind. That's nice. Maybe it's nice because you're shielding their emotions, but when you shield other people's emotions, are you not kind of deciding for them what they can handle? Is that not kind of shitty? So I'll unpack these transits, you know, in just a moment, a little bit more in detail, but in the context and concert of this chart of this solar eclipse, I just want to again, center you in when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're unsure of what to do or how to hold a thing, bring it back to your values. What is it that you value? 
Is the way that you're thinking reflecting your values? Does that mean you need to adjust your values? Does that mean you need to adjust your thinking? Only you can answer these questions. And sometimes asking the question is the answer, right? It doesn't have to be a fixed answer. It's just a point of inquiry and exploration. It's a lot. It's a lot. But you know, it's all very worthwhile. You can do it. You can do it. Okay. On the 11th, the planet Mars moves into the sign of Leo. This is a transit that will spark more, you know, more bravery, more fun, more play. Mars and Leo can signify a time where the energy level just picks up, right? Remember, it's moving from Cancer and into Leo. So it's more of a protective energy in Cancer or self-protective energy in Cancer. And in Leo, Mars just wants to damn go and make things happen and get some. I mean, this is, you know... If you're in the hot girl summer market, you know what I mean? I think it's a crowded market. I think it's a crowded market. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of issues to be unpacked with hot girl summer. That said, Mars and Leo, that's one of the prerequisites. That's a thing you'd want for a hot girl summer. If that's the kind of thing you're into, you know. Okay, so that brings us to the final set of transits for this week. And they are occurring on the 12th. So on the 12th of June, we've got two exact transits both by Venus. Venus is forming a sextile to Uranus and a square to Chiron. So Venus is your relationships, right? It's your close personal relationships. It's also your values. It's aesthetics. It's how you look. It's how you feel about how you look. Uh, It's your literally your complexion. And Chiron is, you know, the wounded healer. Chiron brings about healing crises. And these healing crises are opportunities to get present with something that is painful and to transform it, to bring some measure of healing to it. And so a Venus square to Chiron is an opportunity to step into a healing crisis in a way that reflects your values. It's an opportunity to see your relationships more clearly or to get free of something that hasn't been serving you, that is not healthy. The fact that Venus is also forming a sextile to Uranus at the same time is actually really wonderful because what it indicates is that the energy is supportive for innovation, for being open, for change, for experimentation. It's not going to undo the difficulties that Chiron is likely to bring, but what it will do is support us all in being able to see more options and being willing to choose to actually give energy to doing things differently, holding things differently, showing up differently. And I say differently because Chiron and Uranus are both very concerned in different ways with breaking free of convention and with the way you've held things or been taught things in the past and the way it's been done before, the way it's been done by family or within society. So the potential here is to come to a greater embracing and love and acceptance of the way things are, the way you are and what can be, which is kind of extra fun for Pride Month, IMO, but you know, you do you. Okay. So that's these transits. Uh, You may kind of find that there's some relationship dynamics occurring. And I want to just say, be the change you want to see in your relationships. Don't change other people. That's a fool's errand. Be the change you want to see. And others will either meet you in a new place or they won't. Either way, you get your answer. Or as the saying goes, if you don't like the game, don't play. 
Now, my loves, I'm going to run through the transits of the week for you one more time. We have been looking at June 6th through the 12th of 2021. Mercury is retrograde all week long. On the 10th, we have a solar eclipse in Gemini that will be exact at 3.53 a.m. Pacific time. On the 11th, Mars ingresses into Leo. And on the 12th, we have a Venus square to Chiron and a Venus sextile to Uranus. As always, if you get value from this podcast, I invite you to subscribe wherever you listen to the show. That actually does make a big difference. And and be patient with your process this week. You know, it's a lot of restless energy running through the world. And that doesn't need to define you. It's how you respond to that energy. That's what defines you. So do your best, my loves. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Every year they say the end is near.